you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? back with another episode of the anarchist experience episode 441 aka year nine week 17 uh coming at you this week as always i am your host mr richie rich along with mc and ks and this is your regularly scheduled saturday broadcast we try to do this thing live around 3 p.m eastern time on saturdays on clubhouse and I no longer know how to direct you to finding us there because they fucked around and changed some things um, on the front end. Like the once once I found where to start the club, uh, it seems normal. But how to find the club no longer seems normal. And how to invite people to the club. Uh, if you were to add me at riches for rich, R I C H E S, the number four R I C H, uh, also seemed a little odd. So figure it out. Uh, cause I'm trying to figure it out, but that's still currently where we do it on clubhouse. The name of the club is the anarchist experience. Apparently at one time there were clubs and houses and I started the anarchist house, which I still control. And I don't know the, fu- I no longer know the functional difference between clubs and houses. I never really figured out how the houses work. Um, But now the clubs look weird. So we'll be playing around with that. You play around with that too. And so if you're listening to this after the fact, like, oh man, I may have missed my opportunity to participate. Uh, For now, you may have missed your opportunity to participate because I don't don't know any of the new buttons. I don't, it, it looks like they dumbed it down for retards. And then I go like, well, gosh darn, I can't figure this out. Um, it went with a whole bunch of menu options for people like me to like, just click the button to talk. Um, and (laughs) it's like, well, that can't be right. Uh, but that's the situation. So we're still on clubhouse. We're still doing it live Saturdays around three. Uh, you know, I hit the record (coughs) button shortly thereafter, and then we get this ball rolling. Uh, so what is going on with you guys this week? Um, I got married, so. That's new. <laughs> I, I don't know um, what the button is for, like, I don't want to do the clapping too early, but streamers and pops and, woo, congratulations. What's the, what's the button? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I, um, <laughs> Just push all the buttons. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I did, unfortunately, uh, get the government involved, and that's because I'm uh, involved in another hierarchy which is the Catholic Church, um, and that's the way they do it. So I didn't feel like arguing with them. What and, do you mean uh, that's the way they do it? Uh, that's the way they do it, yeah. Okay, he's, I mean... He's the, uh, uh, go ahead. I'll ask him about it. Uh, <coughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel like arguing with him. He said, this is what you should do. Go get your license uh, to get married and then 
bring that in and he's going to sign it that day after the wedding. Okay. And then he'll he'll take it to the government and then it'll be official. So Okay. okay. I mean how do I want to put this? I I believe you when you say that that's the way they do it. Like that's that is not lost on me. I I did not question it. I did not argue with them. I just didn't care. So Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, so from my perspective, like uh I have had a wedding and it was not a Catholic wedding. And I signed no documentation, right? We just, we had the ceremony and it looked like a normal wedding except for that part, right? Mm -hmm. Um, KS, were you there? I know your wife was there, but I don't remember if you guys were there. Hmm. I think I recall going to some. It was on a beach. Mm -hmm. We didn't sign any documents. Um, And the officiant there like, you know, screwed up one of the agreements that I had made, but we're not talking about that right now. So when they say, like, that's the way we do it, you know, to me, the reason that I personally don't sign those things or, you know, like, you know, what do you, when people ask me, like, what do you think about marriage, Rich? Like, are you ever going to get married? Uh, my answer has always been no, because, number one, I'm an atheist. Number two, I'm an anarchist. And marriage is either a religious ceremony or, you know, a religious contract uh, or government one. And I am neither, so I don't I don't need that in my life. So when you say that the Catholic Church like requires the government to get involved, that also seems bizarre to me as a necessity for them officiating the wedding. Right? Like they they, they could easily recognize the marriage under God uh, and not sign the government forms, which is, you know, part A of that, right? Like it's it's a religious thing. We need not the government to recognize this wedding. If we want to, you know, perform a wedding between two people who want to get involved with each other uh, and the government doesn't want to recognize, well, boo on the government, right? But we're going to recognize it as a church. And if that's your church, that should be enough uh, under under God. So that's that's just my take on it, you know. But if they said, like, no, 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 we're, we don't believe you. We're not going to officiate this thing until you come with the proper government documentations then yeah i guess you got to do what you got to do but that's a that has that has been a we'll call it a deal breaker a non-negotiable and like every every relationship that i've been in and plan to be in it's like i will do whatever you want but i'm not voluntarily signing government forms like that's that's the hard stop even for work we just had to like I don't even know why, because we don't trust the HR lady to know what she's talking about. Okay, uh, so what? What? I suppose every church has a different response. They they all probably all of them sign the papers and and uh, want you to sign, and then they send it in for official registration. Um, but what happens if you say, "Well, no, I don't want that"? I imagine that there are some churches that are saying, "Okay, that's your choice," you know. Um, and then I suppose they have a record that, that well, they should, they're the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. Um, And, you know, um, trying to think of what, um, I I think you got hornswoggled MC. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I didn't question it. It didn't even register very, you know, one to 10, it registered a one and 
it just was the least on my priorities. I didn't care. That's fair too. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chastising you or begrudging you in any way. Just, you know. I think it's kind of uh, interesting that, you know, like, like um, he said, it, it wasn't a big deal, uh, no matter. Suddenly the government uses that as the excuse for the imposition of all kinds of rules and regulations over your, your future actions, you know, because then they say, oh, you want to um, separate now, you want to divide up your house, you want to have... Uh, we've already set out all the conditions for all of these things about your future life. Um, and you have to go to the courts to get all kinds of settlements. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, um, after the fact imposition of tremendous things that, a uh, number of things that you never agreed to when you, you know, say, yeah, we want to marry. And then the government says, well, then there's this whole body of law that is uh, the condition of your life together. And frankly, I you know I I think the government has no business treating a married person any differently than a single person, but they do. They absolutely do. Yeah. So there's a, a prenuptial agreement. Can can I now make a postnuptial agreement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, the answer to that is yes. Right. Like <laughs> you're already married, so any agreement going forward, right, is is a postnuptial agreement. As long. as... This, this, you know, when, when this question was coming up for me, and I can only speak from my experience, right, it was, well, having the document will make our lives easier, right? Like, you know, who, because who, of all the regulations that they impose. Well, yeah, and, and, and the, the one that comes up most is like, you know, who's going to make decisions for you, you know, in the event that you're incapacitated or, you know, you need power of attorney or, you know, visitation in the hospital, I was like, I have been in the hospital, right? And I don't remember anyone asking for a marriage certificate for anyone to come visit me, right? Like that never happened. It wasn't like, well, we can't let you in because you don't have the legal documentation to see him. It's like, no, you visit. They might ask, oh, are you of a family relation? And if you say yes, then they usually accept the verbal assertion of it. So just say yes. Oh, if you're not related, then no, you can't visit. They might say that, but still, you're right. They don't ask for per, uh, per proof of it. Yeah, they don't ask. They, you don't have to validate it to them. They don't. I don't even think they really care. Um, and then all those other things, right? It's it's not like you can't get power of attorney over someone whom you're not related to, right? You just you notarize that document, you give them whatever powers you're willing to give them. And then, you know, Bob's your uncle. They, they can make those decisions until you extricate yourself from that contract, right? So, you know, if were, were I to be incapacitated and need someone to make medical decisions for me, right, I can already give that to you without you being my wife, right? Like yeah. that's, that's already a thing. So there's, to me, there was, there was nothing... There was nothing in the marriage license, aside from it being, you know, a government-sanctioned rubber stamp, um, that I couldn't do in private contract. And I was like, well, I prefer the private contract. Like, whatever you want from this marriage, you know, with this marriage arrangement uh, that I'm willing to do, like, let's let's just set up a private contract outside of it. And in your case, MC, if you were to do that now, that would be your post-nuptial agreement, right? It's a contract after the fact. Um so it's plenty possible. It's just, 
yeah for for me for me personally like i don't you know again i'm not not mad at you i'm not i don't really care um but i i would not get the gov i don't want to get the government involved in anything that i can voluntarily keep them out of right like if 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 they come to me with demands and i'm not willing to fight and defend myself well then i acquiesce to their demands but the marriage license, you know, for me, the driver's license, right? And I just, no, I just, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and not ask you for permission or not ask you for sanction or not ask you to get involved because I don't want it. I don't need it. Wouldn't it be interesting if the, the marriage license, when you're, you're signing a little document, came with all these 50 pages of terms and conditions, along it and what then, probably you know, does they just I mean, don't we, show to that go to you into this form. escape house last night we had to sign out uh sign away waive all kinds of rights to, to lawsuits and everything there was there was 10 pages of uh documents just for going into that well suppose they actually attach to the marriage license all these terms and conditions so that you had to read it all before you uh sign it i think probably people would have second thoughts about it, but they're just assuming, well, you're just signing this piece of paper. Yeah, no, no, no. You sign the piece of paper and you're married. What does that entail? N- nothing to nobody until it does, right? <laughs> yeah. Like and, no- nothing and, changes until something important has to happen. And and honestly, nobody actually knows what it actually means <laughs> because the whole thing with marriage is, and this is, this is from a guy defending it. He says it's 200 years of evolving, you know, uh, court cases and decisions. And, and so, and (laughs) it's good for the lawyers, yeah, but it's not good for anybody trying to figure out what marriage is. (laughs) (laughs) And the only time that it really becomes important to the government is, is when it comes down to money, right? Sure. Like if, if there's an issue with taxes, right, being married, can be advantageous and save you money depending on the, the varying incomes of those too. There's the marriage penalty. If, uh, if you're both earning incomes, then right. you could be in a higher. Um, but I think with child custody, that's also an issue um, where it's not just money. It's uh, child custody is probably a big issue. With, with Maybe family. things are changing, uh, but even married couples, right? The mom got custody. I, I was, I, I'm the anomaly in that whole when that started in the eighties, right? Like my dad got custody of me when they divorced and that was news, right? They just, the, the courts typically favor the mother. Even if you're married and get divorced, they're likely going to typically favor the mother, right? As the father, you are likely going to be paying child support because that's, that's the standard operating procedure and has been for decades, and that might be changing ever so slightly, right? But there, there are enough stories, there are enough horror stories about fathers not being able to get custody, right? Then there are horror stories of the father getting custody and things going terribly awry, right? Oh, yeah. I, I know of a case where a couple got divorced and the wife went off to another country and the husband had custody of the child but still had to pay um, support money to uh, child support to the wife who wasn't there and uh, the child was with him see makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah 
So tax filing, you know, the, the marriage penalty, as you mentioned, Cass, there are couples that get divorced on paper just to mm-hmm. avoid that penalty. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And down, down the line, right. When, when medical decisions ought to be made, right. If, if one of you ends up in like crippling debt, uh, due to medical reasons, you ought to get divorced because as a couple, right, there is like joint liability. If, if mm. she, if, you know, if, if she dies, you know, in, in huge medical debt, you're on the hook for that. Mm. Whereas if you were divorced, then that, that just, you know, they'll figure out, they'll discharge it somehow, but it's not on you because you're not married. Mm. So mm. it's, it's always, you know, aside from that child custody thing, it's, it's usually a money issue. Like who can we mm. go after when we were doing collections, right? The only other person we could tell over the phone that there was a debt outstanding was the spouse. And we had no obligation to disclose, you know, uh, to any other party. Um, but if it was the spouse, we didn't even have to ask, Oh, is that your husband? Good. He owes us money. Right. And put him on blast or, or, or the other way around. Right. It happened both ways. I'm not trying to pick on the dude still. But you got to be careful. Now, again, in my case, right, that that uh, union went south and the separation was fairly simple. I just left. Uh, she made it complicated by refusing to return some property. Um, but I got most of that stuff back, uh, you know, minus some stuff that we're not going to talk about here. But. There was, you know, there was, there was no filings for divorce, no asking the state. I just went, all right, we have come to the end of the line and I'm leaving, you know? And it was, it was as, you know, getting together was getting, separating was as easy as getting together, right? No legal filings, nothing, you know, nothing with the attorneys, just simple as it should be. All right, I saw uh, a meme about, since we're talking about religious stuff, uh, it was a list of all the people that wanted to kill Jesus, or all the times it was mentioned in the Bible. Okay. And it listed the amount of times that the, the, the Roman Empire wanted to kill Jesus, and it was zero, because they didn't really <laughs> want to kill Jesus. <laughs> okay. And, and so my comment on that was, don't fear the people that want to kill you, Fill the uh, fear of the people that are just doing their jobs. <laughs> yeah, Larkin Rose said something similar too, right? Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not worried about the rise of the next Hitler or Mussolini or any of those people. I'm, I'm concerned about the average citizen who doesn't fight back now. Right, they're the ones who will allow that to occur. The people not willing to resist the tyranny that we are, you know, facing at any given time. The overreach of the government. It was in the news last week. I don't, you know, we all, I don't think I talked about it here. Or maybe I, I might have mentioned it. I don't remember what I talked about last week. Um, I don't have a headline for it. But the, you know, the governor of New Mexico. Are you guys familiar with this chick? Mm. No. Nope. Okay. So last week sometime, she just said, okay, um... Because some kid got shot in a road rage incident, we are now, I am now suspending uh, your right to carry a firearm in the city of Albuquerque as a matter of, of public health. Why is she in control of public health? Ah, COVID measures. 
It was same, <laughs> same reason the governor could declare everybody has to stay indoors and wear masks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, right. she declared an emergency powers. And then, of course, people are challenging that. Your emergency powers don't don't authorize you to do this. But she says, well, yes, it does. Yeah. And, yeah. So, But, um, but they're challenging it. Lawsuits meantime, are filed. The sheriff is refusing to to enforce it. But she's trying it, right? They're floating that balloon to see what people are willing to take. And they might have to walk that one back a little bit, but they will float it again in the future, right? They, they talked about it. Um, and then one of, you know, one of the things that didn't get mentioned when I heard coverage of it is, okay, yes, you know, she's doing it in New Mexico, um, but what she is suggesting is already the the status quo elsewhere, right? Like, okay, you've got your firearm permit. You're you're authorized to uh, conceal carry, open carry in New Mexico, uh, but I'm but not anymore, right? And but for f- almost forever, right? You guys are in Hawaii, almost forever. You're not. You can't carry a firearm anywhere, and even and and the 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 the. Uh, the set the, the setup to go get that permit to carry is so arduous that no one passes the test, right? Like you have to go down to the chief of police office and show him just cause that you have, you know, you're in imminent danger and that your life will be threatened if you are not allowed to carry a firearm. And the police chief just goes, nope. And then that's yeah, it. A distinction might be made though between uh, a law and a decree, which a law presumably had to pass the scrutiny of, of a legislature, and they, they may have behaved, they behaved badly, and but but at least that um, uh, is some check on the individual arrogance of a of a of a ruler who just says, "Well, my law, my word is law," because sure. I say it is. I say it's emergency, and therefore. Um, all check against them, but the end result is the same. You're not allowed, right? I don't. I don't care if a 500 person legislature decrees I'm not allowed, or a governor decrees I'm not allowed. You know, I'm allowed. That's you know, and and again, right? This goes back to like the defense, right? If they're if they're going to say it, and no one is going to challenge it, then it becomes de facto. Uh, de facto rule, right? So the fact that they're challenging it in New Mexico is fantastic. Mm. Uh, the fact that, you know, the, the Hawaii statute is finally being challenged is fantastic. Is but if, I mean, no, they, they, if no one does it. Oh, the statute with regard to guns. But um, I think there was a lawsuit brought against the governor for his uh, declaration of emergency uh, power. And, and that was thrown out for lack of standing. Uh, but I thought there were there were plenty of people who were affected by that. that well, at any rate, I don't know the full story about what happened to that. that just the, the challenge to the rule by decree. It would be, in, it would be interesting, right? Because yeah. now, now that judge is legislating it again. from the and bench. The, the governor is using that same decree authority here with regard to the fires in Maui too, I think. See? You know, curfew. Where where does it end? It ends it ends when people stand up, right? Like their authority only goes as far as they can push it, 
Um, and it is the responsibility of the people to push back. And if the people don't push back, well, then you lose it, right? Like I, I have said for years, when it comes to government imposition, right, you can't give them an inch because if you give them an inch, they will take your life. That inch, that inch must be defended ferociously at every turn because if they'll take it, they'll creep all the way to kill you. And then they will kill you over that inch if you try to push back later, right? If you let the governor decree that no firearms, you know, you can't carry firearms, and that just stands and no one pushes back, right? A few years go down the line and someone gets caught carrying a firearm. It's like, well, you had your chance to resist. You, you failed, and now, they, now they, they, they will attack him, right? And may shoot him on the spot because, oh, my God, it's a crazy guy with a gun. What's he doing carrying that thing openly, legally, constitutionally, right? When everyone knows that that was, you know, that was not allowed five, five years ago or 10 years ago, right? You go to the airport, you take off your shoes to go through TSA. Why? Why is that important? Are they really catching terrorists with shoe bombs? They caught one guy 23 years ago or 20 years ago. And it wasn't even the screening procedure that caught him. But one guy tried to light his shoe on fire until the end of time you got to walk through the airport barefoot or with socks on or whatever. Do you get the idea? Because no one defended that inch at the time. They played on national security and fervor and, and fear. Right? What would happen if he lit his shoe on fire? And so everyone started taking their shoes off. <clears throat> I walked through a courthouse at one time, got kicked out, escorted out. Security had to chase me down because uh, it was like the first week there that they you know, wouldn't let you wear a belt through the machine. And prior to that, I'd always just worn a belt, keep my pants up. I'm like, I'm not fucking taking off my belt. You know, you want me in there. I'm going in. And I just walked by, got halfway up the stairs, almost got the firearm drawn on me by security, chased down escorted out, talked to the judge, like, were you the one causing that, you know, ruckus down there? I'm like, yeah, the, the rumors are true, you know, but they push. And so, so now, right. I just don't wear a belt to court, find some other pants to wear. Mm-hmm. Cause I acquiesce. It's not worth fighting every single time. They're going to get me in there without a belt one way or the other, right. Preferably not in handcuffs, but no one pushes back. They just go like, Oh, like, Government said that's the new rule, so I, I guess I that's you, the new rule. You've you've stated the point. You have to pick and choose which one, which battles are worth fighting, um, which ones you think you can win by. Because if you, you know, if you fight all the battles, everything that you resist, um, uh, well, then that's a tax on your whole life. Your your life is exhausted in resisting uh, uh, everything. So you have to. I think you have to be sort of selective what you have energy for and what you have talent for and what you have um, um, even um, some support from others for. That's the big one. It's the support for others. I didn't have it there. Um, I might have it here if I were to get back into that sort of behavior. Um, but yeah, like if, if everyone refused to take off their belt, right, the, the rule would change. 
They cannot effectively enforce that rule, right? One, a one day backlog in the court, if they had to turn away everybody that day and have them reschedule would wreck the calendar of the court. They're already overwhelmed, especially in Hawaii. They're over, they're overwhelmed in Hawaii and they, uh, how do I want to put this? They trick people into waiving their right to a speedy trial in Hawaii. And so if you, if you, if you, if you refuse, right, you automatically overwhelm the court system and you can do it within days. If every, if you had that level of support, uh, here in New Hampshire, uh, this past Monday, September 11th, Ian Freeman of Free Talk Live was scheduled to be sentenced for his crimes of selling Bitcoin without getting federal paperwork filled out. That part of it got postponed until October 2nd. I was not there, but there was an activist, uh, two activists, one of which is a, an elected state representative, uh, went down to the court with the specific purpose of getting arrested for filming inside the courthouse. Because you're not allowed to film, and both activists believe that they have grounds to challenge the case, right? But in order to challenge it, they have to gain standing. And the only way to gain standing is to get arrested. So they were like, we're going to film until they arrest us. And so they did, right? But they, they were also surrounded by dozens of people there to witness uh, the sentencing of Ian Freeman. And the hope is that when they get their chance in front of the court, there will be dozens of people there, right, on their side as well, you know, morally at best. So proper preparation in terms of publicity, um, explaining the case to the people to get them charged up and enthused about it, to get them there in in advance, the advance legal advice about how how to proceed, um, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy to do, but if done properly, you can build a swell of, of support, which can change things. But, uh, you know, people have a lot going on in their lives, and they don't necessarily want to, you know, spend all that time on issues that are of minor concern to them concern, compared to other things that have a greater concern. And, yeah, yeah I, I see your point about the long-term impact of, of acquiescence is, um, is, is harmful, but the long-term uh, consequence to people of, um, you know, um, spending a lot of time on these things as opposed to other things in their lives, um, that has consequences too. I mean, if you go to jail and you're without, away from your family and kids and everything like that too for a period of time, you have fi- fees and penalties and anxiety, sleepless nights, all kinds of things that uh, weigh on people. Yeah. No, I get it. But, you know, here... It's easier here to put up that fight uh, than it is anywhere else because here there's that support system, right? If you if you if you're doing it for a noble cause, um, you know there there are, there will be people there to support you. And so uh, you know, last winter I got like a parking ticket and I had intended to challenge it. And when I explained to Ian. Uh, that I intended to challenge it. He's like, well, what's the date, man? Like, I'm going to put it in my calendar, right? Like, that's his thing, right? I'm like, well, you know, I appreciate your support. Um, I am not going to be making like a, a foundational, uh, uh, what's the the activist challenge. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this on principle. So if you're expecting, you know, like the, you know, that sort of antics, uh, you, you will not get that from me. So don't waste your time. Like, I don't, I appreciate the offer. 
uh, I don't, you know, I'm not looking for it on this one. Like I'm going, I'm going to plead my case the way it is, you know, and then we'll see what happens afterwards. But I'm not, you know, I'm not making a public spectacle out of this one. Didn't seem worth it. I felt, I felt that at the time the legal challenge was sufficient that I did not need to make a principal challenge. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But he was, you know, he was Johnny on the spot. Like, we'll be there, you know, round up the cavalry. We'll be there, you know, and that's, that's the way that it is here. Um, there, right. I just, I just went by myself every time, right. Like that's, you know, my, my buddy dubbed me the knight of arduous virtue because it didn't matter. Like whatever that inch was, right. It was, it was going to get some kind of challenge from me, right. The belt, right. You know, I, I, I they, they, never made me take off my belt again, right? I put up a fight the first time, no one supported me, and then I just stopped wearing a belt. Like that was, you know, that that was my solution to avoid further conflict, um, knowing that I was getting no support. It's funny, you pay a, a, a special fee for a global traveler or global entry uh, or for clear at the airports and... Then they escort you. I mean, clear. You pay a fee for that, and and uh, they do a, a quick eye scan, and then they escort you through uh, TSA, and you don't have to take off your belt or anything. You just just walk right it through. Yep, preferred class. They've they've yeah. got your retina scan. They've got your fingerprints. They got all you know all the other stuff voluntarily, right? Because like, well, this this TSA is so arduous, right? People aren't going to challenge it, but people are willing to pay for the privilege of not challenging it anymore. So just like anything else, they took away a right and sold it back to you for a price. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that I I suppose that someone who wanted to be, to to carry a bomb through or whatever, you would uh, be willing to pay the extra fee for. for And why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right? If, If that's all it takes is $80 a month or whatever it is for a frequent traveler, Right. Like if you're if you're gonna blow yourself up, uh, I don't think you care if they have your information on file. <laughs> right? Even even the nine eleven bombers, since we're celebrating that this week, right? All the passports were found. Everything else burnt to dust, ash, steel beams reduced to rubble. But all four passports managed to survive. Curious, isn't it? Well, Not a conspiracy also, theorist. I, it, it's amusing that. Six months after 9/11, um, I think uh, two of the um, of the hijackers had their student visas renewed automatically. How is that? Or yeah, okay. No, they 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 were in process and ultimately got uh, notification that their visas had been renewed. See, so they they were Six here legally. They had already, yeah, yeah, they were, and none of them were. None of them were from Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, yeah. I think um, the bulk of them from Saudi Arabia, but Lebanon yep. and and uh, United Arab Emirates, Jordan, but all I think uh, eleven or twelve of the fifteen were from Saudi Arabia, which remained America's ally. The United States didn't attack Saudi Arabia. In Curious, isn't it? Yeah. Strategic business partner, oil partner terrorist but no we don't talk about that you know we we've got to go invade iraq that was the big one well, afghanistan first then two years later iraq okay you know, when there was when there was clearly no connection clearly no but they made one they made one on the news 
right? They they fully yeah. established that connection with the government, the government documents and the government reports. And right? this is this is where we think we're going to get back, get them back for this tragedy. Yeah, right? I, I never understood how the connection was made with um, to Iraq. I think it was you know this the phony reports about weapons of mass destruction. Although it, I don't know, the United States had sold chemical weapons to um, to Saddam Hussein um, years before when he was our America's ally, and it was under Ronald Reagan, you know that, um, and uh, Osama bin Laden had been America's ally too in the struggle against the Soviets in Afghanistan. And now there's uh, now they're sending those chemical munitions over to Ukraine. So good luck with that too. Mm-hmm. So go, I mean, I don't, I don't remember the quote exactly, but going back to the, you know, giving up that inch, right? Like one, one of the founding fathers, probably Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the idea intimated was the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to stay vigilant. When, once you let your guard down, they will step in and fill the void. They will push. They're constantly pushing. They're constantly looking for an opening, right? Even, even the Maui fires, right? The conspiracy theories are running rampant as to the cause, the reason, you know, what, why would the government do this? Well, there, there are theories out there, right? And, and, and if not paying attention, they will, the, the state, the government will swing this to their advantage going forward. And people will just view it as them helping out in, you know, because of a tragedy. Because because people are not eternally vigilant. That inch is gone. You might defend the next one, right? Eternal vigilance. And the the irony of that is they're always pushing, and they're pushing on your dime, right? the 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 average American or you know citizen or whatever label you want to doesn't have doesn't have time in the day or in the week to train at the same level as those in government, right? They get, they're on the clock. They do their training and you're paying for their training to the detriment of your own because you have to go to work to feed your family and they steal a portion of that to train, to hold you down. Did, did you hear what they're planning on doing with Lahaina? Uh, I mean, I, I know the conspiracy theories. Do you want me to mention that? Or, like, do you have something? Um, well, there's, yeah, there's some conspiracy theories. That, but the, the, the one that I thought was the most uh, depressing is that they're going to make a memorial out of the whole town because it's like a big burial ground now. And so they're going to steal people's land uh, to make, you know, a memorial. Okay. And I and I guess they can, I guess condemn people's homes because they're because they're the government gone, <laughs> and, they're, and they're the government. Um, yeah, but so basically they're trying to take any say away from you know, property owners on on what can happen. So uh, that's that's sad. Just because just because there's a, a memorial ground park. <laughs> yeah, just because there is a tragedy now. Now it's the government owned land, and. Uh, there, there, you know, because then, then you can make it a, you know, a tourist site. Like, hey, here's where a whole bunch of people died. Isn't that neat? 
under the government's watch. Yeah. But the governments are always the good guys because they, they care so much. That, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now now they care. <laughs> now that everybody's gone, now they care. So the 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 more insidious conspiracy theory. And they got like, you know, it, you know, depends on your level of conspiracy mindedness, right? But the the other conspiracy uh, theory is that they're looking to turn it into a smart city. Right? They they needed well, the land the to be destroyed to rebuild it into a smart city. That that was the plan uh before even with it out without it being destroyed. So I I I don't really believe that. Uh however, now that it happened, uh Governor Josh Green actually went on TV and is is talking about uh how this this incident was is caused by global warming and now now the the international community must uh, take action to prevent things like this happening. And, and he almost said on, on his interview, smart cities. Yeah. He, he, he said smart city. And then, so, uh, Oh yeah. What was uh, that next word le- going to be? Le- legislators, smart legislators. <laughs> so yeah, um, he, he was uh, briefed and, and uh, told about this smart city idea and, and not to and say that, the words because yeah, he almost let it slip. It, yeah. Maybe. Right, depending on your level of conspiracy mindedness. What's a smart city? Um, it's 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 a city that's designed to monitor citizens at every turn. A technologically modern urban area that uses different types of electronic methods and sensors to collect specific data. Information gained from the data is used to manage assets, resources, and services efficiently. In return, the data is used to improve operations across the city. Uh, this includes data collected from citizens, devices, buildings, and assets that process and analyze to monitor and manage traffic, transportations, power, utilities, forestry, water, criminal investigations. It's a spy network. <laughs> it's a it's a citywide spy network. Yeah, it's insanity, <laughs> and and completely unnecessary. It's like people loved Lahaina, obviously, the way it was. It was a, you know, a tourist destination for, uh, well, the whole world. If you wanted to go vacation somewhere, somewhere, uh, and you know, you want to go to an island, Maui was on the list, and Lahaina was a big part of that. You know, tourism is way down, and part part of the reason why probably is because Lahaina isn't there. Yep. So it didn't need to be smart to be successful. It just needed to be, you know, like. Just it's, free. Just let it go. It's not about being successful, man. It's about control. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I, yeah. Smart cities have nothing to do with, like, the success of the city. It's controlling the population. And if and and if the people of Maui, Hawaii, Lahaina, if they allow a smart city to go up, right, there's another inch taken. You'll never get it back. It'll be a smart city. They'll use it as a as an example for future smart cities and that will grow and then they won't need to burn down cities to do it right like look how well this smart city is operating they'll say this in their secret government meetings look how well we've got control of the population in this smart city all you need to do is do this in yours and more control you will have i recall fondly a, an article by brian micklethwaite in England, who was observing that tourists always enjoy going to the old towns of 
all these old cities in Europe that were all created independently and individually, ram, uh, you know, uh, chaotically by individuals before there were zoning and building codes and rules and regulations that controlled how and where and what you were going to build. Those are the places with character and uniqueness that everybody wishes to visit. And then, okay, you go home to uh, to the other areas, the planned areas. That are yeah, you go home to your gray and... rectangle, <laughs> right? Yeah. The brutalist structure, just functional to get by. And at the same time, I, I don't, I don't think it would, I don't think it would make much sense to rebuild Lahaina the old way either. Right. Well, def- definitely not with power lines on poles. Well, th- this this could be an opportunity to do like Boston and put everything underground. Yeah. Right. Just you know bypass the dead bodies, just weave through them. When they, when they were competing electric utility companies uh, in the early part of the nineteenth century, uh, the twentieth century, um, the the private companies were putting um, power lines underground. Because they were in competition with other companies that weren't, and they had an advantage by doing so. But when the government outlawed competition, established these franchise monopolies, then they could care less. They'd build them all over, string them all over. Just like with the city bus service here, you know, we uh, when you had competing bus companies and jitney companies, you had much, much better uh, service. But when they outlawed all the competition with a single bus, it started losing money and becoming inefficient because they, they lost their incentives to become um, attractive to consumers. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I saw the railroad again today. The, the new railroad, it's, it's you know, these, these trains are running around with absolutely not a single person in them. Not even a driver. I mean, it's all automatic. So there's no customers. I mean, <laughs> you might as well ride it. You've already paid running. for it multiple times over well but no it's it's inconvenient to ride and you have to park at some distant place where there's no reason to go there and go up this mountainous uh, uh steps of uh, and landings to get to a train that will come by every few minutes and take you slowly to the next stop where there's nothing there either <laughs> i mean i mean it's it's not even a a, a good ride to compare with Disneyland. It's a definition of a boondoggle. Definitely. Yeah. See, but they, they, they were hard pressed to build it, right? They, you know, I, I remember in high school, my dad telling me that they were planning this thing since he was in high school, and now that my son's about to graduate from high school, I guess it's you know prescient that it's uh, just about finished and still worthless. Mm-hmm. Oh, not but not about finished. It's they, they they opened up the first half because they haven't even built the the second half oh. to to go okay. to its termination point. That's so by the, the time his kids graduate part. from high school, the second half will be almost built. Almost built. Okay. Yeah. So four and generations, four generations early. of this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go but go government campaign contributions from the construction companies and all that. And the people let it happen, right? Voted for it, voted against it, didn't matter. He, there, there was insufficient pushback, uh, like legitimate pushback. Like, we're not going, yeah. we're not allowed pushback. And so they just well, built. There, 
there was pushback, but I mean, you're talking numbers, you know. Of, I am talking numbers. Yeah, but I mean, not everybody didn't push back. A lot of people pushed back. I mean, yeah. um, you know, with with articles and speeches and rallies and and testimony and um, all kinds of ways that they they did. Just that there were more people pushing, and actually, you know, the the insiders, the ones, the contractors that were hiring, uh, you know large you know publicity newspaper radio and television that's um you're up against a lot when you do it but it wasn't that nobody pushed back they did it just wasn't enough to stop it okay. they did stop it the first time that it went up for a boat but the second time it went through isn't isn't it ironic that uh the same people that are pushing for this dumb rail are pushing for smart cities because the rail will go right through the city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like how? Do, how do these people? This is a smart rail. <laughs> that are so incompetent to tell us we need this rail that nobody's on. Uh, get to decide to tell us that our city isn't smart enough. Like really, you're going to make the city smart? That's that's uh, that's ridiculousness. So I guess let me let me be clear with my words then. Uh, because I am not anti-violence, uh, but pushback eventually gets there. When you, when you say you're not allowed, right, either their threat of violence against you wins or your threat of violence against them wins or the threats become reality and someone wins. It's always violence. People don't want to talk about the violence. They want to write letters and articles and have votes and speeches, right? But that's that is not the that is not the underlying reality of any of these situations involving the government. They will do what they want to do because they outgun the vast majority of us, even though there's less of them, and they presumably are willing to use it. And until those willing to push back are also willing to use it, uh, we will continually concede those inches and acquiesce. Because that's, that's the only thing that matters in the end. Right? They have the guns. Well, and they I'll, will I'll use I'll give them. you a more depressing version of that. And that is when I was politically awake... Uh, for the first time, I, I felt like, okay, well, we've already lost. Like, it's already gone. Like, there's, uh, you can live as free as you think you are in your own head, but beyond that, it's like, no, we're we're already living as, like, a, a slave population. That's reasonable. And I'll accept that. Most, most, mostly it comes from, uh, in my opinion, the the control of the money supply and the uh and sure. so once once that's gone if the money's fake then the rest of it's fake too and so i don't know i i say you know from my perspective the system is is broken needs to be uh completely gutted and replaced or not replaced with anything but it's it's not it's not f- functioning for a free society it's functioning for uh, the powers to be, but yeah. anyway, uh, that's that's my perspective. I don't um, think you're wrong. So, so 
that's that's one of the reasons why I don't care about the marriage license. It's like that's uh, small fries compared to the miles that were already taken, and that doesn't bother me. So, yeah, that's fine. The things that do bother me, um, I think those things are worth fighting for rather than the little things. Um, and and if we can't have the big things, then we don't deserve the little things. So that's fine. I mean, again, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I don't even think that's a poor perspective. Um, but the, the likelihood of you individually overcoming the big things is far less likely than you individually being able to like withhold a little bit of the small things, right? Like, should I pay the money and go get a driver's license? Yeah, probably, but fuck them. Like, no, this is, this is one of those little things that I, that I've been able thus far to stand on principle and say, no, right. I got, you know, I, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad it makes you feel good. <laughs> it does. It has to, it's, it's one of the, you know, we, we just recently filled out, uh, at work. I, I, I briefly mentioned this earlier. We, for whatever reason, the government issued new I nine forms, like new, new forms. And so HR, the HR lady is like, you guys must fill these forms out again. Like, all right, fuck it. We'll fill out the forms again. I don't know why, right? Like, it's not that the other ones are invalid. I don't know if everyone across the country has to refill out new I-9 forms. Like, every job, really? Like, that seems dumb to me, but whatever. She's doing it, and we're a small company. Um, but on the W-4, right? Like, and you know, when it comes to government documents, I never just sign my name, right? I, I sign it TDC or all rights reserved or under duress or something to indicate, right, that I don't agree. This is not a valid contract. And does it matter? No. Right. But does it make me feel good? Yeah, absolutely does. Because anyone who tries to like wave that in front of me and go like, nope, look, that's just your signature right there. You signed, you agreed, and now you must abide. I go like, no, I did not sign. I did not agree. And if you see a signature there, uh, it says under duress, like that's not valid in any, in any sense of contractual relationship. That is not valid. It's under duress. I was coerced into signing it for fear of whatever. It's, you know, it's not valid. Um, but I have, I have consistently signed my W-4. Uh, I've, I've taken the measures to put exempt. Right? I'm, I'm exempt from taxes. Uh, employer, you ought not take any of my money and give it to the state. Does it make me feel good? Yeah. Do they recognize it? No. HR is dumb. They don't know how to process fucking paperwork for exempt and so they just run it as normal and i was talking to a co-worker yesterday he's like can i do that i'm like man i'm not giving you legal advice but you do whatever you want if you want more of your money you write it on the form and you hope that hr is smart enough to fill the fucking form out correctly and give you the rest of your money you know so he may or may not he's like you know i i think i might want to refill the form like well you have the blank go you do you but this is not on me like i i told you what i did and they're still doing it. So, but it absolutely makes me feel better because it's demonstrable that this is not a valid contract. They have no business here, right? All my rights are reserved. This is under threat, under duress, under coercion. Uh, and if you try to, if you try to weigh that in my face, it's a valid contract. Um, you will be mistaken and that will be shut down. And that's like, that's the least I can do. Uh, one of, you know, something came up with the X, 
right? Like I was, I was, you know, they were coercing me to sign some sort of document. Her attorney was. And so I went with her attorney to sign said document and it was supposed to be like notarized. And he said, well, just sign it. I will take it back to my office and have them notarize it. And I went, I'm not really comfortable with that. Like that seems like a violation. And his only response to me was noted. I went, all right, you know, clearly the, you know, I will play your game now because I'm going to sign it and it's never going to be notarized officially. So if you, if you do get it notarized, right, then you know, expect like a fucking bar challenge or something for even, you know, thinking that, uh, but then I also signed it under duress, right? Like, I don't want to sign this. You're, you're, you are threatening me with more court stuffs if I don't sign it. So I will sign it under duress and you go ahead and try to get that notarized. And I don't know what became of it, but I have not heard from them since. So little, you know, again, it's the, it's the little things. It absolutely makes me feel good um, to, not, to not be coerced or to note the coercion up front, right? Like, oh, yes, we, we must go through the ritual, uh, but I send signals to anyone looking after the fact, right, that I did not vol- I'm like the, you know, this is a poor example, but it's that dude standing with his arms folded with everyone else giving the Nazi salute, right? You've seen this picture? Of course. Okay. Like I'm, you know, I like to think I'm more like that guy than the guy standing next to him. Right. I'm not, I'm not just going along yeah, to but, get along. But, but also you wouldn't even be standing there with all those other fools. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I really, I don't know the context behind that photo. So you're probably right. No, I think they were all in some type of uniform. Okay. Well, then I don't know what he was doing in uniform, but either way, like I probably, you're probably right. I wouldn't be standing there to begin with. Um, you know, another, another question someone asked me recently, as far as like, you know, moral character, it was like, is it ever okay to lie? Like, absolutely. Right. You, you can lie. Um, you got to pick your, you got to, depends on the situation, right? Like, uh, what were you thinking? I'm like, I have, I have no obligation to tell the truth to people who are trying to bring me harm or do harm to me or my family, right? There's, there's no obligation there. Um, we run a telemarketing office and people all day, all the telemarketers complain. Uh, Why are people so rude on the phone? I'm like, cause bro, we called them, right? And there's no <laughs> obligation to be courteous to you. Right? They don't know you. They're not your friends. There's no association there. And one of the telemarketers responded back. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't cost anything uh, to be kind. Like, yeah, it doesn't cost anything to be rude either. Right? You interrupted their day. Whatever they were doing was disturbed by your phone call, and they don't know you. Right? So dealing with, you know, asshole customers comes with the territory of interrupting people's day uh, unsolicited, right? We're not breaking any laws, but you just deal with it. They, they have no obligation to be kind. They have no obligation to be courteous, right? You do because you're getting paid and you initiated the contact, right? I have no obligation to be nice to police officers when they stop me on the street. I will say whatever I want. You know, I, I may not, I probably won't fight back at that time, but I will run my mouth as much as possible because they initiated shit with, they started shit with me. And so I have no obligation to be honest with those trying to bring me harm. Now, those that, you know, want to help, 
right? Those that I'm in good relationships with, right? I don't have the obligation, but it benefits me, right? To be truthful and honest because then there's a, there, then we can build a relationship built on trust, right? And we can count on each other for things, right? And if I demonstrate that I'm not trustworthy or unreliable, right? Then, then that relationship sours. Uh, going to Free Talk Live for a while, uh, I carpooled uh, with one of the dudes who, whose van was in, in repairs, right? So for like a month or whatever, I, you know, I picked him up. Um, and after his van got, his van finished, I said, never again, right? You, you did not communicate with me effectively for me to ever want to carpool with you again, or be generous with my time with you again, because frequently with no communication, I would just show up to pick him up at the, you know, the previously agreed upon time. And he would either be late or had changed his mind and was not going to be coming. Or like, dude, you got to like send a text message. Tell me ahead of time. Like I planned part of my day. I carved out part of my day to be here for you early. You know, all you got to do is be courteous. And he wasn't. So I will never carpool with that dude again because he did not demonstrate a level of courtesy and trustworthiness to give him any more of my time than what I'd already agreed to give. And so that's why it's important in voluntary relationships uh, but involuntary ones, coercive ones with the state, no, I'm not signing. I'm not agreeing. I'm pushing, I'm pushing back as much or as little as I can, just so you know that I'm pushing back, right? I may not win, but at least, at least, you know, I'm resisting, even if it's in the slightest. And I would suggest that more people need to resist even in the slightest even if it's just to send a small little message uh, that this is not going to be easy. You're not going to walk all over us. You're not going to take the easy way out of this, right? If, if you are going to get from us, you know, obedience uh, in some form or fashion, you are going to have to work for it. If you're pulling me over to give me a ticket or stopping me on the street, right? You know, or filming in the courthouse, Right? You, you are going to face some level of resistance so you know that I'm not, I'm not on your side and we're not on the same page and what you're doing is wrong. Final thoughts? Uh, no, thanks. All right. good. Congratulations on your wedding regardless. Glad you're married. Thanks again. Regardless. <laughs> uh, you guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can still do it through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.